In this episode of the Business Broken to Smoking podcast, we continue with part two of our interview with Preston. Mark and Preston pick up their conversation on the six types of working genius. Go check out episode 053 if you missed the first part of this interview. The minute you kind of say, like, hey, let's go try to make 100 bucks to people out of the ditch, like, well, no, you know, that just sounds dumb. So you're, I, lo- I love that story and the context you just put that in. So this is an experiment. Um, as an inventor and discerner, I love the laboratory and I will, I love to fail. Mm. I love to just try stuff on, dial it in, qualify it, assess it. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? So here's an example. The, so enablement, galvanizing and enablement are my working frustrations. If you were to ask me to be in a customer service role and you were going to pay me money, there is no amount of money you could pay me that would have me stay more than maybe six to maybe four hours doing that role. Not a chance. Now, as a friend, you ask me to help move. I don't like doing that. But mm-hmm. the social norm of like, you're my friend and we've got this relationship that's really important. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you offer me money for that, mm-hmm. that actually corrodes yeah. the relationship more than anything else. Now, I just got done saying like enablement's all about helping and doing the work. Mm-hmm. I don't really, that's not where I'm going to get the most joy and fulfillment. And especially if you pay me money for it, I'm going to, it's going to be exponential, like my <laughs> lack of joy and fulfillment. But as a friend, you're asking me to help or support or enable all day long. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Like it's a really interesting connection to make between that. Because how many clients, I have a number of clients say, we need to reinvent or revise our compensation structure because people aren't taking as much action. And until I had working genius as a different conversation or a different idea, new idea to present to them, it always sat with me as like, that's such a bad idea. Like everybody defaults to that. Right. And by the way, when you pay me 25% more, what do you, what's the conversation we're going to have in six to nine months? Can you, will you pay me another 25% right. more? Right. Everyone's going to lose. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I don't have joint fulfillment, which means this job's going to get old. The only reason I'm doing it is cause you keep paying me more. And this, sorry, it's a crass way to say it, but like you're the dummy that says, yes, I'll continue paying more. Like, it's just, yeah. we're going to lose. That's right. Well, it's a leader's job to go, oh, this is how this works. It's a leader's job to figure out how are we going to do this? And we're going to gather a bunch of people together, call it an org, have a mission, have some way to keep the legs under us, you know, with paychecks and all that. And, and, and cast a vision and push us forward. And, and it's like, dude, that's your, you came up with this. Like, what, how is it that you don't know how to motivate, motivate people or how people, quote, people work? And that's, so there's tools to use that help us. Well, that's a, maybe another conversation for a different time. Like you asked that, you posed the question, like, how do you motivate people, hypothetically? Mm-hmm. I personally believe the only person that motivates anyone mm-hmm. is the person themselves. That's right. There's yeah, literally like no, and another client, I can't remember the book that he mentioned, intrinsic versus extrinsic, mm-hmm. extrinsic yeah, motivation. That's, pink. that's Daniel okay. Drive. Daniel so, Pink and Drive. Yeah. Um, like it, it's, 
if I motivated from within, I'm going to be motivated for a long time. If I have to be motivated from outside, then the circumstances outside me change on a very rapid and regular basis. So therefore, the chances of me, the risk of me losing motivation are incredibly high. The internal environment is not going to change as much or as frequently. Therefore, if I find that which I'm motivated by, then I'm likely going to exemplify being motivated on a, on a more sustainable basis. Um, there are tools like Working Genius. Again, not the only one. There's so many great assessments out there. I just am very familiar and become far more familiar with this. I've simply made a decision that all of the clients that I work with, all my existing clients are going through this. We're going through this right now where we're actually doing the profile. And then I know we wanted to talk a little bit about this concept of the team map because it's not just insight for you individually, but the composite of a team is really, really brilliant, simple to understand, and will answer a lot of questions that are currently unanswered. But we've got tools like Working Genius where we can actually – create some, we've got some language now to use. So if you see me, when you ask me to pitch in and help out on this particular project, and it's going to have me working more in holding people accountable to deadlines, if it's going to ask me to be more accountable to actually doing the work alongside people, then I will likely resist because that's competency and frustration. That's not genius. But come to me to say, Preston, we're asking this question. We think our current model is not the model that's going to get us to the next level. Would you please join us for a conversation to unpack that, to come up with some solutions and to kind of recreate a business model? I'm like, are you kidding me? You do not have to pay me for that. I will go do that for 24 hours straight. I mean, if you got a bourbon around, that's good. But it, I, it was like no compensation. I just like, it's, there's so much, the compensation is in the joy of the fulfillment. So imagine having a leadership team or any team in your organization where everybody understands what their geniuses are and that you have a composite view of who has what genius and how they fit together, which is going to allow you to understand where there is overlap or strength or whether there is a gap or a weakness. And for which we have a strength, it's terrific. However, a strength can quickly become sometimes not just a weakness, but be, can, can become an actual threat. But we have weaknesses or gaps that we can, we can close with, with a high degree of ease because all I need to do is find the working genius that like the three of us don't have Let's go borrow it. It's somebody else in the organization. It's someone else down the hall. And we, think we know they're working genius and their geniuses are what's missing in our team. We're going to bring them into that conversation, bring them into that project, which is going to allow us to, again, be far more productive. And we're not being forced. The three of us aren't being forced to do things that are outside of our joy and fulfillment domains. Again, it goes back to productivity. So there's a few things to consider. I'm going to go a little bit more tangible and tactical for a moment, if that's mm -hmm. okay. Sure. So one of the other ideas that I love about this is Lencioni's team have defined three stages of work. So again, go back to like all of life is a project or a series of projects that all projects start in the ideation stage of work. 
We need to ask the question, identify the problem or situation, develop a solution or answer, and discern whether that is assess or qualify whether that is or is not the right answer or right solution. Now, WI, wonder and invention, are smack dab in the ideation stage of work. Now, the D that I mentioned starts getting into the second stage, which is activation. Activation is where we are going to dial it in. We are going to make sure this qualifies as the right solution, the right answer. Then once we have that solidified, we need to have someone guide the team and motivate and inspire the team to start. Let's get this into action. That's the galvanizing. So now you've got discernment and galvanizing comprise the activation stage of work, which leaves us with the third stage, which is implementation. So now it's just getting the work delivered and getting it done on time, on budget, and complete. That's the tenacity. So the enablement is doing the work, helping out to do the work, and tenacity is making sure it gets complete. What's interesting is when you do a, comp a team map, and, and we'll review, and Shane, I don't know if like in the notes, if you guys are okay, we built a team map with the yeah. three of us. For sure. the three of us, we'll just we can put that PDF up so people can actually have the you know, literally see what we'll talk about um, in a moment. When you have that composite of the team, we can we can not only say well, what geniuses are we missing as a team of three. We can also ask the question, well, where do we get stalled when the three of us work on a project? Is it starting and coming up with the idea for the project? Is it actually doing the work and delivering on the project? Or is it we're really good at start coming up with an idea, but we like try to implement every idea we have for a project and they fall flat, which means they ultimately don't get finished. In other words, we're like, we're missing a genius that, that exists inside the activation stage. That's been incredibly helpful. So think about it, you're running an organization and you can look at your team and say, where do we do really well? We are excellent at asking questions and, and identifying opportunities. We are terrific at making sure it's the right solution, the right answer, and getting, getting people motivated and, and inspired to go in the right direction. But we rarely finish things. We've got more projects started and unfinished than we do finished. Well, we're weak in the implement, implementation stage. Well, let's take a look at the whole organization. Where are the E's, enablement, and T's, tenacity, that exist in our organization? This is what I love where I'm not a fan of flat organizations, like organizational structure. I think that's a complete disaster. There does need to be a hierarchy of decision-making authority. Mm -hmm. Sure. However, when it comes to borrowing or leasing geniuses to fill in gaps, I'm going to look at everybody's a peer. Like we're on this continuum of working genius mm -hmm. types. So I could have somebody who is the controller of the organization, who ha whose genius is E and T. I could have somebody that is um, the, the third shift warehouse person whose working genius is ENT. And you know what I'm gonna do? Because the leadership team is missing the ENT or the implementation, I'm bringing that person into a conversation. I might not have them be doing all the work, but they'll help understand because they're probably related to a lot of the other ENTs that are in the company. And they can say, oh, well, it's you know Sally or it's Bob or it's Jan. Like those folks like love doing the work. So when you launch this project and you're ready to start delivering on it, you should probably be talking to them. 
well, the three of us are totally blind because we're more, the three of us are W-I-D. We are so good at asking questions, inventing solutions, and dialing them in. But the three of us are not reliable to inspire people to start or to do the work or to get it across the finish line. So the three of us are going to start some really cool stuff, probably not finish it. Mm -hmm. So we need sure. finishers. So it, it's leveraging tools like that where we can say, okay, we're missing something. We just need to go find it. And by the way, it doesn't have to be in the organization. So advocates for advisory boards or building a network outside your organization, I can bring somebody in. I mean, I could even bring a competitor in mm -hmm. they've got a good relationship with and say, hey, we, we both serve the same market. We do it a little bit differently, but like you've got galvanizing and we don't. Mm -hmm. Come on in for this project. Yeah, sure. And here's what we have that you guys don't. Let's let's do a swap. I think that's great. Exactly. So if we, it, it's interesting. Um, I want to again. This will be more clear visually. I'm just I'm looking at our our team map right now. So the team map looks at the working genius and working frustration. It does not include the competency. I believe they left the competency out because go back to something we talked about earlier. That's a dangerous place to be. We don't get a lot of joy and fulfillment, but we're, we spend enough time that we've trained our world to think that we're, we really like doing that work. So it could be a huge time suck. Um, it's also, there's a polarity aspect to this. So when you have genius over here and you have frustration over here and you think of like magnets trying to pull in their particular directions, genius wants to pull this direction and frustration wants to pull this direction. Wonder. So Mark and Shane have the genius of wonder. There's zero, and, and so we're talking about a, this team of three, the three of us. There's no frustration in wonder. So what's the asset about that? There is no shortage of both of you asking questions and using curiosity to challenge our status quo. We will never be the same team tomorrow or the next day that we are today simply because the two of you will insist through your curiosity that we continue to push, that we continue to just ask the questions, how can we be better? Uh, Mark, you and I, uh, now the, the downside with zero frustration on, on wonder is what? We'll spend a lot of time being curious when it's time for the project to say, okay, we've spent enough time in the wonder, it's time to move to invention. Now, we do have Mark and Preston have the genius of invention. So we're reliable to bring that forth. And Shane, there's a frustration in invention for you. That's a really good thing. Why? Go back to that magnet idea. Like there's, 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 there's more equal tension between the two, which creates a balance. Because we will, we will, it'll be less, how do I say this? There's not as much risk of us spending time in invention because we have you as a working frustration in invention. Discernment, um, Shane, you and I, we will dial things in and we will assess and analyze and like, you know, make it better all day long. There's no frustration in discernment. So what Mark might experience is we are ultra critical and we stay there. So it'd be great to have someone who had a frustration of discernment to say, okay, Shane and Preston, you've dialed it in enough. Now we just need to move it to galvanizing. Um, galvanizing, 
you and I have a frustration in galvanizing, there's zero genius in galvanizing. So again, we go back to like, we're going to come up with some great ideas <laughs> and we're going to dial them in. Are we going to start them? That's a big question mark right now. So we'd benefit by having someone with the genius of galvanizing, again, to balance out that tension. Enablement, uh, Mark and Preston have frustration, zero genius in enablement. Again, we're not, we're not going to be reliable to start it, and we're definitely not going to be reliable as a team to actually like, dive in and do the work. We would love for others to do that. So it would be good to have a genius of enablement. And then lastly, tenacity. Uh, Mark, you've got a frustration, and then there's no genius. So that's where like, we, again, this is a great team that this tells a story. We're really great at coming up with terrific ideas. The solutions are probably going to be very viable and valuable, but we are not going to get the others motivated and get the work done and bring it across the finish line. As a team, we're not reliable for that. Doing great productive work requires all six. We're missing three. What do we do? Let's find other people that have galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity. It goes back to like, I'm leading an organization. I know this. And this tool helps people create higher levels of self-awareness. This is magical. Mm -hmm. I don't, there's nothing, I have no concern over our team map profile. We're missing stuff. Big deal. Have other people take the genius, find who the galvanizers, enablers, and tenacity folks are, bring them in on a project-to-project basis. Yeah. How does it, how do you, so talk about the practicality of uh, taking the test as a team. So some teams out there listening, some leader manager and saying, okay, I'm going to do this now. So walk through what that looks like. So workinggenius.com, I'm 85% sure that's the URL. Um, they're just Google working genius. It takes about 10 minutes. If you, it takes 11 minutes, it means you're thinking about it too much and you're tr- yeah. likely trying to game the yeah. profile. And it so, is workinggenius.com. Yep. So please do not, don't try to game it because there's, it's the unfortunate context. And I think this, I can't speak for other countries, but certainly in the U.S., right? When we started, whenever it was, when we had that first quiz or first test in school, and then for years, in our formative years, we were challenged with these things called quizzes and tests. It's a, it's a byproduct of, of that where we automatically think, uh-oh, we're either going to pass it or we're going to fail it. So just to let everyone know, like, there's no such thing as failure in this. There's just higher levels of self-awareness. It takes about 10 minutes. Um, Retail is about 25 bucks, so it's very reasonably priced uh, assessment tool. Um, you can set up a profile in their dashboard. So you can actually um, have a number of people on your leadership team take that. Mm-hmm. Inside of that, you can compile everybody's individual assessment results into what they call a team map, M-A-P. And it literally just maps out the geniuses and the frustrations with all six of those types. So you can see where you have strength, where you have where you, have, um, where you do have geniuses, where you have missing geniuses, and what, which geniuses you would benefit by bringing in on a project-to-project basis. It does not mean you have to hire someone brand new. It doesn't mean you need to bring somebody in permanently. Remember, everything about working genius 
is describing doing great work in the form of projects. So a project could be running a company altogether, but a project could literally be, you know, this one week project we've got going on. Um, there are certified working genius facilitators, like I am one, I've gone through a certification process. Um, it, it just means that we have a a deeper understanding and access to kind of coaching around the instrument, how to use the instrument, um, how to understand the instrument. Again, it's what I love that they've done is they've made it really simple and very clear. Uh, but sometimes it does make sense to have, if not for no other reason, just have an objective third party part of that discernment conversation. Because I can risk asking dangerous questions I might not know they're dangerous in the moment, but I'm the one that's just going to ask the questions of the team, in which case they realize like, oh, Preston just pointed to the elephant in the room. It's just a lot easier for an outsider to, to do that. And again, it goes back to one of the key elements of great leadership is self-awareness. If we're hiding, trying to hide the elephants, that's a lack of self-awareness, which just means we're just not firing on all cylinders. So working genius, you can take it individually. Have the group take it individually. You can compile those into a team map, have a conversation, uh, understand your own profile. So similar to many others, like understand your own profile. The best way to understand the entire instrument is just get to know yours. So the more I've gotten to know my uh, invention discernment, my wonder and tenacity, my galvanizing enablement in terms of genius, competency, and frustration, like you can hand me your working genius profile and I'll understand it instantly. And I'll understand where we are, are strong together and where there may be some conflict and then where there may be just a gap between us that we would need to fill. Yeah. Pair this up. <clears throat> Talk about pairing it up now because uh, assessments – are very helpful. Um, I think I think it was uh, Alec when he had Alec Broadfoot on. He was talking about the results. Uh, the likelihood of a good hire goes way up. Um, what was it, Shane? It was like three times as likely mm -hmm. to get a good hire was, when you pair uh, assessments in in the uh, early kind of recruiting process. Uh, it went from seventeen percent to forty seven or something like that. It's basically three times as successful uh still only 50 50 uh and that's pretty darn successful right but uh but at least in in that that ratio he was using so i guess in my head and with my clients i'm suggesting that they um pair this because it's cheap and good you know it's it's a like big you know high bang for a low buck right and it's it's like a low barrier of entry pretty easy to understand the book is very easy to read and audible um i pounded this out in like to shoot three hours or something and i'd finished the book and i jumped and i was going to read something in between and this was it so um the book's a no-brainer but i like to pair this and i wonder what your thoughts are on this uh with colby I think Colby's pretty cheap and good, you know, 50 bucks, 70 bucks, something like that. It's not hard even to have somebody come in and do a half a day with the leadership team to kind of get them up to speed with how Colby works. Colby, I think, kind of comes in from a little different angle uh, or strengthens a particular angle that really makes sense here. And then the third one would be Strengths Finder. 
uh, because StrengthsFinder to me, although Enneagram is cheap and good, super easy, kind of more like the emotional, you know, where you're going to get freaked out or where you're going to kind of, you know, push hard and that sort of thing uh, if, if you're going to push hard. So I would, I would do those four, Working Genius, Colby, StrengthsFinder, Enneagram. And they're all low barrier to get into them. Right. They're, they're, they're great tools. I, so I can speak to, I can speak to working genius certainly. And I can speak to Colby. I'm not, although I've taken strength finders, I, I would be remiss if I said, I, you know, I could help kind of tie those in, um, as well as a, a number of others. So working genius helps me understand the type of work in which I will be most productive. So when you think working genius type of work, mm -hmm. Colby will guide me in the work that I'm doing, how I will engage or approach that particular work, that particular task, that particular project. So type of work, working genius, how I engage Colby. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. So invention and discernment, that's problem solving, that's coming up with new ideas. When somebody is stuck, when they're asking a question and they feel stuck, I'm a good person to have in the room because in, and it's really interesting to see this, and I notice, notice this about others that are WIDs, is they're so quick at finding the question to ask coming up with an answer, potential solution, and then qualifying it. Like you see this whole process happen, and it literally happens in milliseconds. It's so quick. And it's almost like a little bit of uh, schizophrenia because I can, you know, I'm, I'm going to invent the idea, but then I'm going to discern it at the same time. It's like, oh, I got a great idea. Oh, no, it really stinks. Oh, I got another good idea. No, that one's bad too. And like people will literally see me doing that, going back and forth, and think sometimes like there's something really wrong with this guy. Um, However, that's how it goes. Put me in a situation where you're asking me to do that type of work. Now, how I approach going about coming up with new ideas, problem solving, qualifying, and assessing those is uh, in the world of Colby, it's a numerical number on a scale of one to 10 in four domains. There's fact finder. So our desire to gather information and share information think like data and details. So there's like uh, someone who's a high uh, a seven to 10 on a fact finder will collect and distribute lots of information as part of like how they engage with the work. Somebody like me, who's a three, I love bumper stickers and bullet points. I just want to distill it down to the essence. Uh, the second domain is the follow through. So it's how we organize and structure the information. So when I'm approaching a project, I'm a six on that 10 point scale. So 10 would be the post office. Like there's nothing they can do outside of the process and policy that has been established. They mm -hmm. will not budge. Yeah. Military. Exactly. Bureaucracy. And in, in, in certain situations, that's actually really good. Like people who approach work that way, that would be a better environment. Don't ever put me in any mm -hmm. form of highly process driven, although... I do appreciate it. So as a six, I actually want to structure and organize things. As a two, totally malleable, right? Like yeah. they will- That's me. That's you. I'm a two. Absolutely. Right? 
So structure is fine, mm -hmm. but like you will pivot in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I think of it as modular. Exactly. You know, I'm taking these. I, I see a path. Where I see like, hey, we got to do this thing. Well, these pieces are all interchangeable. If you notice this pops out, we can move this over here and this thing. And hey, it works better. You know, and that's on the invention side. Wander and invention. I'm like, well, I don't think we're doing this right. You know, and I don't think this is actually the right thing to even be doing. So, you know? and, and what, when somebody flops a process down in front of me, I don't trust it. I'm like, I don't think that's the right one. That's, that's my first reaction to it. You might, you might, you're going to question how I came up with the particular sequence. Now, it's interesting mm -hmm. because I'm discovering, I haven't proven this out. I'm discovering there is a tighter correlation between discernment and um, between my invention discernment genius, working genius, and my six follow through in Colby. Mm. Meaning my invention is I want to invent the modules, but my discernment is I will sequence the modules. So you love the modules and you'll just make them interchangeable. I'll actually go through the process of saying, now, Mark, there's actually a sequence for which those modules need to occur. Yeah. And again, that just, that ties in. It, but again, as a two, I, wanna, I want you on my team as a two, Colby, because I don't want to ever risk being bureaucratic about mm. process. Yeah. Um, the next Colby, the third, is quick start. So it's your, your tolerance or desire for risk and uncertainty. So a low uh, quick start will be um, a stabilizer. Uh, my son, Henry, is a two mm. quick start. Right? He's an 8-8, eight, eight, I think he's an 8-8-2-2 eight, eight, two, two, or an 8-8-2-3, eight, eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he, high fact finder, high follow through, and a stabilizer. It's great as a three, six, I'm a seven. I, I'm going to jump off the cliff and then figure out, well, what's below me? I, I don't go in over to the edge of the cliff and look down to make sure it's safe. He'll do that. So he's a good person when I want to bounce ideas off because he'll say, well, that seems unstable in whatever way we might be describing something, in which I say, okay, that probably makes sense. In which case, I can go back, collect a little bit more information, put it into a sequence, and then say, let's just go again. And then the last one is uh, implementer, and that's our desire to either visualize a future or physically build out a future. So think about like uh, being from Detroit, right? There's a, lo there's a lot of wrenches, right? Guys like to work on their cars. They're probably higher implementers because they really like, they get a lot of satisfaction in how they approach work is hands-on versus um, I'm a four. So I tend to envision a future or an idea. I, mean, I might sketch something briefly, but then I'm like, okay, now I know it's real by just having it in my head and now I can start. So how I approach my work, Colby helps me understand. Mm -hmm. But I need to be doing invention and discernment type of work. Mm -hmm. If I fulfill on those two things, I'm totally in my sweet spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I made a little, I made a little uh, observation while we were talking um, and talking about different type of assessments. Were you and inventing something? I think I might have been. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, this, this, uh, uh, the working genius is, is great for team stuff and, and personal stuff, but especially with team stuff. And all these businesses we're dealing with are, by definition, teams of folks. Um, 
but so type of work so all right you're good you're good in what zone here what's your you know kind of working genius as far as a t wonder etc type of work how engaged it's colby uh and then the next one is well what are you good at where are your talent centers that's strength finder strength finder is kind of hard it's easy to get into, but it's kind of hard to digest. It takes, you got to kind of roll with it a little bit. Um, and when I have clients take it, when I've done it with, with others, non-clients, um, I have them go on YouTube and watch. There's a bunch of, of uh, uh, Gallup puts out these videos where they talk about one strength and they interview somebody who's, that's their top strength. Uh, and they just talk about their life in being having this thing as their top strength and they say that and there's 34 strengths in a human and they're and gallup by the way um is where all these other organizations get their data about mm -hmm. humans so gallup has the most kind of trustworthy bucket of information that they draw from and they sub it out or loan it out or rent it out to all the other orgs that are f figuring this stuff out so I tend to trust the Gallup test the most. They have others too, besides their strengths finder. They have a great one on entrepreneurism called the builder profile um, that is around entrepreneurism or kind of creating new orgs. Um, anyway, so talent. So what are you good at? Like where is your talent center? Uh, and then the kind of the fourth one would be the Enneagram, which is, all right, how do we emotionally approach people like what's your how do you engage with people emotionally are we supposed to do that yeah is that a thing do we have to <laughs> yeah it's like broccoli <laughs> yeah you don't get any ice cream till you finish your broccoli buddy so uh, and i think that's like a really good uh that's a really good con uh, conglomeration of easy access stuff culture index i think is super powerful but it's kind of like it's like the Ferrari. Or, I mean, maybe it's the wrong metaphor, but it's like you got to go all in. It's super, it's a serious investment. Uh, you need to work with somebody who knows what they're doing about it, too. You can't just like fake it and make it. That's a brilliant um, tool. And I know, I know David, uh, David Quick went through all of that. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, Journey or Voyager? Because they're, they're like these they have avatars, names, yeah. right? Yeah. I can't Architect remember. Architect one. Yep. Yeah. It, it's so you're hiring trailblazer i think it's another one mm -hmm. you're hiring and to match like what's the profile the the culture index profile of the seat mm -hmm. versus the finalists in terms of candidates mm -hmm. that's i've got a number of clients that are using it and using it in that way fantastic tool mm -hmm. i mean really like creating a great marriage between yeah. you know the person and and yeah. the seat but it's a high it's a high bar to understand it to get good at it. It just takes some doing. That is one. Like get in touch with David. Mm -hmm. Find a culture index certified professional to walk mm -hmm. you through because you'll get so much value out of that. Just mm -hmm. these others, strength finders, um, Enneagram, mm -hmm. Working Genius, um, Colby. Like those, they've set them up to mm -hmm. be as easy to understand as, as possible. Yeah. And Mark, you're pointing to something that an analogy I've used before is we're all at a concert and I'll say it this way, when a year from now, I think my daughter and, and 
wife Natalie will be here in Ohio for the Now Horn uh, concert. Well, they've got seats like right in the middle, some ungodly sum of money for two concert tickets. That's a different conversation. That's a therapy conversation for later. Um, <laughs> but they're they're right in front, and then Shane's over in the same row, but like twenty seats to the right. You're in the kind of off the if I'm facing the stage, you're in the kind of top. You know, you're up uh, like 10 rows and over to the right, and I'm all the way back in the last row. We're at the exact same event, listening to the exact same music at the exact same time. So literally, there's so many pragmatic things we're experiencing. They're all identical. Yet, if you ask the three of us, Natalie and Georgia, what was your experience of the concert? you would get five, if not 15 different variations of explanation or answer to that question. Like, well, we're all at the same thing. Why isn't it exactly the same? Mm -hmm. It's our unique perspectives on things. And I think these assessment tools and why you brought up when we started this is they pair these up. Like, don't rely on just mm -hmm. one. It's like the only way to see a concert is from the back row. That's silly. No, go to the go to the next concert and go to a different seat. You're going to get a different experience. It might be the same artist on the same tour. You're going to get a totally different experience just because your perspective has changed. And when you put all of that together, you probably get a really rich experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Figuring out how to get our folks, how to read our folks, how to read the folks before they come in, keeping them in. Getting them in the right seats, you know, right people, right seats is a, is, a, is a bit of a throwaway line, but it's super powerful. But as leaders of an org, it's our job to, first of all, build the plane, if it's a vehicle metaphor, put the seats in the plane. A lot of times I tell my clients, hey, you keep rebuilding the plane around this person, <laughs> you know, and... That may not be aeronautically smart. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know. This thing's the plane keeps falling out of the sky. Well, you build it around Bob here, and why is it listing? Yeah, right. It's and it's like we have this big weird shape here in the back, and this is where Bob's stuff is. You know, it's so weird. I have a client that does uh, flies a bunch of jets around, and I'm always asking him about uh, trivial particulars. Like, now, so when you're flying somewhere and so and so with this jet. Do you have to like weigh everybody's bags and figure out like what your yeah like totally depends on the jet it depends on the plane and the, how many are on there and you're doing the math and the miles and the safe amount of fuel left over and all that stuff you know and it's and i'm like well so you can't just change the plane to, like to fit the passengers no right and so in an organization it's the leader's job to build the vehicle to literally create the freaking vehicle from from whole cloth, you know, from scratch. And a lot of times they're reinventing the wheel. Like they're not going to wheel school and going, hey, that's how you do the wheel. They're, they're, they're doing all the same mistakes everybody else has done, and they're not willing to learn from other people that figured it out before and written books about it or whatever, get mentored by somebody who's done it before. Uh, but it's their job to, first of all, build the vehicle, figure out the seats, then put people in them. And this kind of tooling is so valuable in figuring out if people are in their sweet spots. 
well, an inventor galvanizer in Working Genius might debate you that a wheel in the form of a triangle is a better idea. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those bikes with those funky wheels that are like triangle wheels? Seriously? Yes. That works? Yeah, it's super weird. I don't know how well it works, but there there's all kinds of bikes with funky contraptions on the wheels. It's a stationary bike, right? <laughs> it's, a, no, yeah. it's a Dr. Seuss thing, I'm pretty sure. But no, I've, no, it's really strange. So uh, yeah, putting people in our sweet spots and then getting everybody to go home at night and say, man, I love this life. I'm in. Yeah. It's, it's business, the people I'm with. It's, it's, so, it's so great. I mean, again, learning, and we could bring it back to the, just the self-awareness piece. You're going to get so much out, more out of life just increasing self-awareness. And there's these great tools that we've been talking about yeah. that just help us, you know, un- uncover that. Yeah. Uh, so as we're wrapping up here, what are you, what are you reading these days? Uh, I, that's a great question. So I am reading, so listening and reading, right? Mm-hmm. I am reading, just started reading Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy's newest book together. I believe it's the newest book together called 10x is easier than 2x and the premise is multiplying your future by 10 is easier than multiplying your future by two and the punchline so far that i've gleaned is when we're in the 2x mindset it's just an iteration of us doing more doing double the work investing double the time and therefore we have double the results in other words if you and i were running a company and saying let's double sales we would probably need to maybe not double the sales staff but we'd have to add a lot of new sales people because we would be selling what we already know to sell in a manner that we already know how to sell it and that automatically incurs a significant expense so if we boiled down to earnings we might double sales successfully, but we wouldn't earn double. In fact, we might even earn less because of the cost that that 2x process was going to give us. If we were to say, Mark, let's 10x this thing, that's a brake pedal instantly. Holy mm-hmm. crud. How are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. Like, can, you even, can you even wrap your mind around what 10x would look like? In fact, 10xing would mean we'd have to completely demolish our existing business model yeah we might have to approach a totally new market absolutely yeah we we are going to get into a world of the unknown that we've never experienced before but here's the thing it will require us to focus narrowly like we've never done before and i think we've all experienced exponential results when we get super focused on something so that for me, that's so far, and I'm just starting this book, but that's kind of the, the punchline of yeah. it. Uh, the other one I'm listening to is C.S. Lewis, Mere mm. Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm. I, I, wherever people are in, in their faith journey, it's just like unpacking what really is true and what's yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. As humans, I, I, I don't think, I've never... I don't think anybody ever explains it as simply and clearly as C.S. Lewis. Just but with serious horsepower. I mean, oh it's just, gosh. it's so, it's such an interesting, he's so simple about it, but it's really punchy. I mean, just absolutely, yeah. 
absolutely phenomenal. Have you read any of his, uh, the space trilogy out of the silent planet? Yes. Uh, Paralandra. What's the other one? That hideous strength. Yes. That's close to my top. Uh, I would, I would probably, probably maybe put it in my top 10 if I were to. I just reread them. Isn't that, aren't they great? Yeah. Paralandra is kind of strange. I couldn't, it's I mean, weird. it's, but I love, um, I love some of his other stuff. Uh, well, first of all, the movie, uh, not surprised by joy that's a uh documentary but there's um shadowlands yes isn't that what it is yeah anthony hopkins plays mm-hmm. c.s lewis it's a great uh it's a it's a great movie about him it's from like the 80s i think but uh screw tape letters really good have you read that one so on audible there was a c.s lewis trilogy um screw tape Mere Christianity, and I'm not remembering the third. Problem of pain, maybe. Possibly. So I'm just. The Great Divorce is another big one. Yeah. It it might. Yeah. That actually might be the one change. That's a great great book. I'm just. I'm getting through Mere Christianity now, and then whatever it serves up, serves up next. Um, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Mm -hmm. Life. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like I've read both the Twelve Rules, the um, the the first one, the Antidote to Chaos, and then Beyond Chaos is the is the next 12, 12 Rules. And I open that up and I'll just read one of the chapters. Mm-hmm. And I, it's one of those where I'll just look at the table of contents, read the title, and like, what, what's speaking to my heart in this moment? And then I'll just open up and I'll start reading that chapter. Mm-hmm. And the one most recently is uh, do what's meaningful rather than expedient. Mm-hmm. Boy, talk about some really tough... I've been confronted mm-hmm. reading this chapter about my habitual mindset of I've got to be really effective. I got to be really efficient, right? It's got to be fast. It's got to be valuable. And he's saying, no, that's the world of expediency and it's not going to get you where you want to go. It's like pause and discern what is more meaningful and go there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's hard to, it's hard to, for sometimes you know, I look at people and I think I don't think you know what meaningful is. Hmm. You know, we have like this busted gauge where we can't we have a trouble weighing out good things versus mediocre things. Oh, it, it's it's a constant it's a constant filtering process. And what is our again? I go basically culturally. Like we value expediency. And, and the meaningfulness piece is far more enriching, but it doesn't offer the immediate payoff. So there's, you know, it's practicing patience. It's practicing prudence. Um, we were talking about earlier about virtues today. Mm-hmm. It's like actually a, an invitation, I would assert, Mark, that pursuing what's meaningful requires that we use virtues more than vices or vehicles. Um, it just, it's, it's going to take some time. Mm. And the last one is just, a, a, I'm going to give a shout out to the, uh, the, the duck dynasty Robertson family. Uh, the duck commander daily devotional is just awesome. I love a little bit of scripture, wow. a little bit of hillbilly reflection. That. That's great. And, uh, in a prayer and it just, That's funny. there's humor and connection and just, you know, a, it's literally, each one's like a 45-second read and just That's great. sets you off on your day. That's great. Love it. Well, it's always a pleasure hanging out oh with gosh. you. You guys, are, you guys rock. Yeah. Yes. You too, man. Back at you. 
Love it. So what should we talk about next time with you? Like in, I don't know, three months or so. Let's get back together and uh, do it again. Talk about another book. Talk about some philosophy. Should we just talk about bourbon? Let's do... Bourbon would be great. Let's do bourbon. And like, let's tie in community, culture, economics. Okay. And that sounds like we need more time for that one. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we, Have you heard of uh, Worldly Philosophers uh, economics book? You got you to put that on your list. You mentioned that. Heil Brunner, uh, I think, in, is his name. Quick Heil Brunner. It's uh, it a little funky to, to yeah, find. Yeah, I think it's hot. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's out of print. Uh, yeah. Worldly philosophers. It's from the fifties. Been reprinted a bunch of times. So I think it's Heil Brunner. Um, he goes through kind of the history of how we've come to understand what economics are. The field of economics is a new field. Uh, you know, Adam Smith kind of like started it essentially. And he starts there and he goes through a bunch of economists, a bunch of people who have really shaped what we consider econ- the economy. It's fascinating. It's very philosophical uh, and kind of like the foundations of why we think about these things. He looks at different, like Karl Marx is in there, Maynard Keynes is in there, Adam Smith is in there, a number of other folks. Does he use big words? <sighs> yes, but. And I've had to look up some. You, you build... Uh, what was the uh, word? Ebullient. E- e- Ebullient? Ebullient. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is like... It's like a bubbly. new word. I think it's a bubbly, right? Or something. I don't remember now. <laughs> but I looked it up, wrote it down, and I still can't remember. But it's not... <laughs> as, it's pretty accessible. It's surprisingly accessible. Okay. Deal. So I, I'm enjoying it. Love it. But th- it's not on Audible, so I'm having a, tr- a tough time getting through it sometimes again meaningful versus expedient the yes. audible is expedient yes sometimes yes. actually sitting yeah, down yeah. and actually reading a printed page is good yeah all right brother good talking with you love it thank you guys 053 in the can 053